Well, good morning, church, and happy Easter. You know, today is a huge day for us. You know, for some people, when you think about Easter, Easter can be a huge day for them for a lot of different reasons. For some, you know, maybe our kids, it's all about the candy, right? I mean, they're, this morning they've already devoured so much candy, they're bouncing off the walls, or maybe they're going to devour some candy a little bit later, but it's huge for them. Or maybe for some people, it's huge because of the thrill of the Easter egg hunt. You know, I remember as a kid, all my, my cousins gathered together, and we had these massive Easter egg hunts. And I know we can't gather together, and you can't gather your families like that, but maybe you've got your self-quarantine Easter egg hunt already planned out. And maybe for your kids, that's why Easter is such a big deal for them. Or maybe for some of you, Easter is such a big deal because it's a time where you connect with family and friends. And I know today's culture, connecting is a little bit different. I mean, I remember growing up as a kid, and I remember that was one of the only times of the year that our entire family would get together was on Easter. Now, we can't do that now, but some of you have become masters at the art of Zoom, right? And so I know the other night we connected with our family, one in Hawaii, some in Missouri, some in Tennessee, all over the place, and us in Florida. And so some of you, maybe you can connect through Zoom. But the point is this, is that for many of us, Easter is a really huge deal. And while all those things I just mentioned are great, none of them is why Easter is a big deal for us today. The reason that Easter is such a huge deal for us is because it is the day that we celebrate that Jesus rose from the grave. The reason we can come and we can sing these songs and we can celebrate today is because we have a risen Savior. And I think it's so important for us to be reminded this morning that the resurrection of Jesus, what we celebrate on Easter is the foundation of the Christian faith. Now hear me. It is the foundation to our Christian faith. Why? Because it validates who Jesus was. It validates that he truly was from God. It validates that he truly is God. Because if Jesus had not risen from the dead, he would be a liar, right? If Jesus had not come back from the grave, he would have been maybe a decent teacher, maybe a people magnet, but he would have been a liar because he said he would die and three days later he would rise again. And if Jesus had not come back from the grave, our preaching would be in vain, our faith would be in vain, and we would still be dead in our sins, hopeless, without the hope of salvation. And so Easter, the resurrection, we have to know and be reminded that it is the foundation of our faith because it validates who Jesus is, but also Easter is foundational because with Easter, with the resurrection of Jesus, it began a movement a movement that is still moving, right? It's a movement that is still moving. Now think about it this way. It wasn't the teachings of Jesus that launched the movement we know as Christianity. And don't get me wrong, Jesus was the best teacher that has ever walked this face of the earth. In fact, if you read the gospels, what you find out is that people marveled at the teachings of Jesus. They were amazed at the authority with which he taught with. But it wasn't the teachings of Jesus that launched the movement. It wasn't even the miracles of Jesus. I mean, when you look through the Gospels, Jesus performed so many amazing miracles, from healing the blind to, to healing the dumb to casting out demons to raising a dead man from the grave, Lazarus. But it wasn't the miracles of Jesus that launched the movement. What launched the movement of Christianity was this. A dead man came back to life. 
Jesus not only said he would die on a cross, that he was gonna die, but that he would be buried, but three days later, he would rise again. And guess what? He did. So I want us to know this morning before we jump into the passage that this day is huge for us because it is the resurrection of Jesus that is the foundation of our faith. Without the resurrection, we have no hope and everything we do is in vain. Now, in this first Easter, this first resurrection day, over 2,000 years ago, those that first came in contact with the resurrected Savior and those that first heard the news that Jesus was no longer in the tomb, they were, most of them were extremely excited. They were filled with joy. In fact, in Luke's gospel, where we'll be in just a minute, in Luke's gospel, it says that the women went to the tomb to put spices on the body. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, and Mary, and some other women. And when they got there, they were met with, by an angel. And the angel says, why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, for he has what? Risen. He's not here, he has risen. And these ladies were so excited about the news they found that they went back to the other disciples and they told them that Jesus was no longer in the grave. And like most men, they were skeptical. They thought maybe this was just idle talk. So Peter runs to the tomb and he looks in there and he sees only the cloth. He sees that Jesus has been raised. And the Bible says he marveled at what he had experienced. See, these early believers were excited about the resurrection of Jesus. However, there were two people that we're gonna see today that weren't quite so sure. There were two people that had followed around Jesus. There were two people that had been in his company that when they heard the news of the resurrection, they weren't quite sure if they believed it or not. They were unsettled and uncertain was this truth. And I say that for this reason. Maybe some of you today that are watching Maybe you're watching today, and if you, as you think about the resurrection, you've been to church, and you've heard people talk about Jesus coming back from the dead, and you've done all those things, but there's something deep with inside of you that still has this thought, I'm just not sure. Because think about it. When's the last time you saw a dead man come back to life? Never, right? And so there's some of you that when you hear the story of Christianity and you hear that the resurrection of Jesus is the foundation of our faith, that without that we are nothing, there's still part of you that goes, I just don't know. I just don't know if I buy it. I just don't know if I'm ready to believe it and to join the movement. So today I want us to look at a couple of guys that struggled in the same way. I want us to look at their story and see where do we find ourselves in that story and what can we learn from it. So if you have your Bibles or grab your iPhone or your smart device, I want to read with you today Luke chapter 24, beginning in verse 13. I want us to read the whole story and then we'll come back to some things. It says this, at that very day, talking about the day that Jesus rose from the dead, that very day, two of them, two men, were going to a village named Emmaus about seven miles from Jerusalem, and they were talking with each other about all the things that had happened. And while they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still, looking sad, and then one of them, Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And he said to them, what things? 
And they said to him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him to be condemned and to be crucified, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things have happened. Moreover, some of the women of the company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find the body, they came back saying that, he, that even he, the vision of the angels, that they said that he was alive. And some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. And then he, Jesus, said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all the prophets have spoken, was it not necessary for Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? May God bless the reading of his word. As you look at this passage, there's some things I want us to glean from it. So things I want us to understand in context of the story. The first thing I want you to notice is these two guys that are traveling, I want you to notice these men's struggles. These guys that are walking on the road to Emmaus, they are struggling with some stuff. Look with me in verse 17. It says this, and he said to them, what is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still looking what? Sad. These men, they were sad. Now you say, Doug, well, why were they sad? Because listen, they had spent a part of their life, a season of their life following this man. And now he's dead. They had spent part of the life and maybe given up some stuff to follow Jesus and they begin that, that process and that journey of falling deeper and deeper, possibly in love with him. They have a relationship with Jesus and now he is gone. Listen, these men are grieving their loss. They're struggling. But they weren't just sad. Look at me in verse 21. It says this, verse 21. But... We had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, this is now the third day since these things have happened. They weren't only sad, these men, they were hopeless. See, they had put all their eggs in one basket, pardon the pun, right? They had put all their energy and all their effort into this truth. Is it possible that this Jesus who teaches like no other, is it possible that this Jesus who performs miracles like no other, is it possible that he is the one that's come to redeem Israel, the one that's come to bring salvation for our sins? Is it possible? And they put all their eggs in that basket and they put their faith and their hope in that truth. But because he's died, and they've not seen him, now they're not so sure. See, up to this point, they were like, man, he's gotta be the man. He's gotta be the Messiah. He's gotta be the savior of the world. But because he died on the cross, and here we are three days later, maybe now I'm not quite so sure. See, for these men, they felt like when Jesus died, hope died. When Jesus went to the grave, Hope went to the grave. And so these men are struggling. They're sad. They're hopeless. But let me look, look at something else that they're struggling with. Look with me in verse 22. Verse 22. It says this. Moreover, some of the women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning. And when they didn't find his body, they came back saying that, he, that they had even seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. 
And some found it, and, and I'm sorry, and some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see him. And he said to them, O foolish ones, this is Jesus speaking, and slow of heart to believe, all the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary for the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? Notice there where Jesus says, O you, slow to believe. See, these men were struggling. They weren't only sad. They weren't only hopeless. They were unconvinced. These men were unconvinced. See, these women had come back with this great report. Peter and another disciple ran to see if it was actually true. But for these men, Jesus says, you're slow to believe. These men were unconvinced. These men weren't sure that the resurrection of Jesus was real. Now, here's what I want us to know this morning. It's this, that these men's struggles, what they wrestled with, their sadness, their hopelessness, their sense of unbelief, what these men struggle with caused them from seeing the very person who was right in front of them. It kept them from seeing the very person who died on a cross and rose from the grave who was right in front of them. These guys were so wrapped up in struggle that they missed that the physical Lord Jesus was right there right in front of them, and they missed it. And I wanna ask us this question this morning. What is it, what is the struggles that we are going through that maybe is keeping us from seeing the love of Christ in our lives? What is the struggles that we are wrestling, what are the struggles that we are wrestling with that's keeping us from seeing the love of Christ in our lives. Maybe we're so focused on the panic in the world we live in. Maybe we're so wrapped up in the panic we live in that we are ignoring the love of Christ. We are ignoring that there's a heavenly father who loves us and says, you know what, guess what? I'm in control, just trust me. We're ignoring that because we're so wrapped up in panic. Maybe for others of us, we're so wrapped up in hurt or we're so wrapped up in hopelessness. We are looking for something to find us value, something to find us significance, and we are wrestling, and we are struggling, and we are missing the fact that there's only one person who can bring us hope. There's only one person who can bring us value and significance, and that's the person of Jesus Christ. Or maybe we're struggling because we're not so sure if God even really cares about us at all. We're not even sure that he's even mindful of us. And here's my point, church, and I want you to hear this today, that for these men, they were so wrapped up in struggle that they missed out on the one who was standing right there in front of them. And maybe today you were so wrapped up in the struggles of life that you are missing out on the love of God right in front of you. See, these men were struggling, and maybe some of you are struggling today, but that leads me to the second thing I want us to look at is that in the face of struggle, secondly, Jesus still pursues them. Even in the face of struggle, even though there's uncertainty, even though there's some unbelief going on, it's Jesus still pursues them. Look with me in verse 15. It says this, while they were walking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. Jesus walked with them. Jesus walked a journey with them. Why did he walk a journey with them? Because these guys were not a lost cause. Why did he walk a journey with these guys? Because they were not the rejects of the society. They were not hopeless. They were not a lost cause. Just because they didn't believe, just because they were struggling, just because they were wrestling, Jesus did not deem them a lost cause. He walked with them. 
See, what I love is Luke kind of capitalizes on this in the Gospels. And here's what I mean. In Luke's Gospel, the first person the resurrected Savior shows up to is not the disciples. It's not the disciples who are going to be excited about what happened for the most part. It's not the disciples who are eventually going to change the world with the gospel of Jesus. Who did Jesus, according to Luke, first show up to when it came to the resurrection? He showed up to the strugglers, the people that were uncertain, the people, the men that were wrestling. Now, this is a theme for Luke. If you go all the way back to the birth narrative, who was the first person or the first group of people that heard the announcement that the Son of God, Jesus, had been born in the city of Bethlehem? It was the shepherds, right? It was the outcasts, the ostracized, the nobodies of the world. So with the birth of Jesus, it was the nobodies that heard it. And with the resurrection of Jesus, it was the strugglers that first heard it. What's the point? Here's the point, is that no matter where you find yourself today, you are not an outcast. You are not a lost cause. You matter to him. You matter. Now, why did Jesus walk with them? Because Jesus wanted to direct them through their season of unbelief. Jesus walked with them and talked with them because he wanted to navigate with them and help them get through and direct them through this season of unbelief. Well, how did he do that? Look with me in verse 27. Here's what it says. And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. You know how Jesus helped them navigate through their unbelief? He reminded them of his love. And he went all the way back to Moses, all the way through the prophets, interpreting all the scriptures that pointed simply to him. I'm sure Jesus must have started with the calling of Moses. That moment when God said, Moses, I'm calling you to rescue my people. I'm sure that Jesus used that moment to say that Moses was a deliverer for Israel. And that means that one day God was going to send a deliverer for all mankind. And I'm sure he talked about how in Egypt there was this moment of the Passover, that a lamb's blood was to be put over the doorpost and the lintel. And for those who did that, the death angel would pass over them, and that that lamb had to be sacrificed. And I'm sure he told these men that one day there was going to have to be the lamb of God who was sacrificed, not just so the death angel would pass over, but his blood would be sacrificed so that we might know and experience the forgiveness of sin. I'm sure Jesus must have went through the scriptures in Isaiah 53 where he says that, he, that the one who's coming will be wounded for our transgressions. He'll be bruised for our iniquities and it's by his stripes we will be healed. I'm sure that Jesus went through all these scriptures pointing them to one central truth, that the love of God, the love of God and the story of rescue and the story of redemption was fulfilled in the person and the work of him of Jesus. So Jesus walked with these men to help direct them through their time of unbelief. How did he do it? By reminding them of the story of love. Now here's why that's important. Jesus pursued these guys who by most of the world and by most of society would have said they're just a lost cause. They followed you, they don't believe, just let them go. But Jesus pursued them and he reminded them of God's love for them. And I want you to know this morning that Jesus is still pursuing you. That no matter where you find yourself this morning, you are not a lost cause. 
And he wants to direct you through your times of struggle, where that's unbelief, where that's hurt, where that's hopelessness. He wants to direct you through it. But let me tell you how he's going to direct you through it. He's going to direct you through it by reminding you of his love for you. Do you know that this book is one amazing story of God's love for humanity? And that story of God's love has a climactic moment. You know what that moment is? Is when the only son of God died on a cross for your sin and for my sin. And so if you find yourself today struggling, you're not a lost cause. God hasn't written you off. He's pursuing you. But as he pursues you, he's going to remind you through his word about how much he loves you. And then it happens in the story. We haven't read it yet. But then there's something amazing that's happened in the story. These men who were struggling, and even though they struggled, Jesus pursued them and he reminded them of the story of how much God loved them and how Jesus himself was the fulfillment of everything and every promise about God's love. And then it happened. At the very end of the chapter, these men asked Jesus to stay with them and to have dinner with them. And Jesus kind of like, no, I'm gonna keep going. Like, no, no, they insisted that he stay. And scripture says that Jesus sat down with them and then he broke bread with them. And the moment Jesus broke the bread, it happened. A miracle took place. Look with me in verse 31. It says this, and their eyes were, say it with me, opened and they recognized him and he vanished from their sight. A miracle took place. Jesus, the moment he broke the bread, their eyes were open. The one who was right in front of them, now they see him for who he is. It's almost as if the moment that Jesus broke the bread with them, everything he had just been telling them about God's love and everything he had been telling them about the story of how God loved them, it's like at that moment, all of a sudden, it just clicked with them. All of a sudden, in that moment, their unbelief was conquered by faith. In that moment, they saw Jesus for who he was. He is the savior of the world. And in that moment, they led to a response of faith toward Jesus. In this moment where these men were blind, Jesus broke the bread and the miracle took place. Their eyes were open. And now there's no longer unbelief, but faith. And now they see Jesus for clearly who he is, which is the son of God and the savior of the world. But that wasn't the only miracle that took place. Look with me in verse 32. It gets better. They said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures. And they rose the same hour, returned to Jerusalem, and they found the 11, those that were with them gathered together, saying, the Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. Then they, to then they told what had happened to them on the road and how he was known to them and the breaking of the bread. There was a moment, not only their eyes were open, but listen, not only their eyes were open, but their hearts were changed forever. Men that were once had a broken heart now have a heart that is burning for the Lord. I love this story because you see these men struggling, sadness, hopelessness, unbelief, but yet Jesus just pursues them. He walks with them. He's patient with them. And he reminds them of his love for them and God's love for them. And in the right moment, at the right time, their eyes are open and their hearts and their lives are changed forever. Right? Now, where do we see ourselves in this story? 
I believe as sure as I'm standing here this morning that there's some of you that are struggling today. Maybe you're struggling because, and your heart is aching this morning. Maybe some things have gone in your life. You've lost a job or you've lost income or some things have happened and your heart is aching this morning and you're just struggling. Maybe this morning, this morning you feel a sense of hopelessness. You've been trying to find something to bring value and significance to your life and you're struggling this morning. You feel like you're at the end of your rope. Or maybe some of you this morning just feel unconvinced. You've heard the story of the resurrection over and over and over again but you're just not sure. Well, this morning, if that's you, I wanna remind you of a couple things. I wanna remind you that no matter where you find yourself, Jesus is pursuing you. You are not a lost cause. I don't care about your past. I don't care about your mistake. You may say, oh, but Doug, you just don't know. You're right, I don't know. And I don't care. He knows. He still loves you. He's still pursuing you because he cares about you and wants to remind you how much He loves you. I want you to be reminded that no matter what you struggle with, no matter what you're wrestling with today, that he's pursuing you. And I also want to remind you that God is still a God who does miracles. God is still a God who opens eyes. God is still a God who changes hearts and puts fire within those who love him so that we may live a life of joy, a life of urgency, and a life that brings glory to him. God is still a God who does miracles. He opens eyes and he still changes hearts. And the question is, which one of those two do you need this morning? Which one do you need this morning? I remember when my boys were little, and I especially remember David, because that was the closest proximity to the time we were in right now. But I remember when David was smaller, and he began to start walking. You may remember that if you're a parent, you know, when you hold their fingers and, and they start walking away from you with their, their, their backs are arched and their, their feet, I mean, they look like a giraffe that just was born. I mean, they just don't know what they're doing. They're just stumbling around and, and they're holding on for you. And there's that moment as a parent, you want them to let go, right? You want them to take that step. And so you begin to work your fingers out from their little bitty hands that are gripped around it. And then the time they feel like you're gonna simply let go, they grab the horn even tighter, right? You remember those moments? But then there was that day that you had those fingers and you were walking them and you began to slip your fingers out of their little baby hands and they did it. They took a step, right? And for those kids in that moment, that was one of the greatest steps of faith they would have ever taken. And I'm gonna ask you this morning to take a step of faith. I know it's scary, And I know you feel like you're holding on to some things in your life. I'm gonna ask all of us today, whether you're a believer or not a believer, I'm gonna ask all of us to take a step this morning. For believers that that are watching today, for believers that are saying, man, the story of the resurrection is is the foundation of faith. For those of you that are followers of Jesus Christ, here's a step of faith I'm gonna ask you to take today. I'm gonna ask you to say, Lord, would you put a fire in me again? Would you put a fire? Jesus, as I celebrate the resurrection Today, I pray that you would resurrect a fire in my dry bones this morning. I pray you would resurrect something in me that would allow me to live a life of joy, a life of urgency, and a life where I'm bringing glory to you. Jesus, would you resurrect that in me today? And if he does that, that means you're gonna have to let go of some things. We're gonna have to let go of our apathy. We're gonna have to let go of our complacency. And we're gonna have to let go of our excuses, and we're gonna have to say, Lord, I'm all in, I'm all in. I've let my joy be robbed from me. I've become apathetic and complacent, 
But Lord, today I am all in. Would you resurrect a fire deep within my bones that I might live that life of joy, that I might live a life of passion and urgency, and that I might live a life that would bring honor and glory to you. Believers, I'm asking you this morning, would you take a step of faith? And then if you're watching today and you've never had a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, I'm gonna ask you to take a step of faith today as well. I'm gonna ask you to say, Lord, today I choose to trust you. Today I've been reminded how much you love me, that you sent your only son to go to a cross to die for my sins because you love me that much. And today I wanna surrender my life to you. If that's your story and you're ready to make that decision, I'm gonna ask you right where you're sitting at this very moment, would you just pray something like this? Would you just say, dear Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. And I know beyond a shadow of a doubt from what I hear and what I've read, that you sent your only son to this world and you sent him to a cross to shed his blood and to die for my sins because you love me. And three days later, you rose him from the grave. You brought him from the grave to remind me that he is your son and that he is the savior of the world. And today, I surrender my life to you. I ask you to come into my life to be my Lord and my Savior. Forgive me of my sins and be the boss and master of my life. If you prayed that, you are a child of the Most High God now. Your name is written in the Lamb's book of life, and you belong to him. So wherever you find yourself this morning, whether you're a believer or you're a struggler today, would you take a step of faith? Right now, I'm going to ask you to pray with me. You just pray, Father God, I love you. I thank you for today. I thank you for the power of this story. I know so many times we read the story of the resurrection, we talk about those who were excited and couldn't wait and couldn't wait to celebrate. Lord, I get that and we should feel that way. But as we come to scripture, we're reminded in Luke 24 that there are those, there are those who are struggling. There are those who are unsure and uncertain. And God, I pray today that we be reminded that maybe many of us are struggling today. That despite our struggles, Jesus still pursues us. And in his pursuit of us, he reminds us how much he loves us. So God, my prayer today is that you would open our eyes this morning. That we would see the magnitude of your love for us. That you would open our eyes and that you would change our hearts. For those that are believers, Lord, may we just make the declaration and the commitment The Lord, we're all in. We're done with apathy. We're done with complacency. We're done with excuses. Lord, we want you to resurrect a fire deep within us that we might live a life of urgency and passion for you. And then for those who've never trusted you, Lord, I pray today they would surrender their life to you. Lord, we know the resurrection of Jesus. Easter changed everything. And today... May it change our hearts. We love you, Lord, for it's in your precious son's name we pray. Amen.